your talk show for all things automotive. From the latest news to the greatest views and the biggest names in rolling iron. Your host is Brett Hatfield, freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com and owner of his own small but growing fleet of cool cars. Get behind the wheel of an hour of car talk starting right now. Man, it's just a favorite thing of mine all week long, getting to come in here, <laughs> hang out with cool car people. And talk cars, talk man. Talk about fun stuff. Driven, Driven radio. radio. Just thrilled to be here. Did you have a good week? You know what? Actually, I did. I, uh, I've been cleaning stuff out at home. I still have not gotten that garage cleaned out enough that oh, I can drag something closer, in there. Though. Bit by bit, I've sold a bunch of stuff on FB, uh, unloaded uh, things that I've hung on to for a while. And it's like, oh, this is really cool. I've got it in a bucket for you, 12 years. For God's sake, let it go, Mark. Are you building up that piggy bank? You know, it, little it, bit by little bit. Is, it, is that pig getting fatter? My, uh, my mom taught me a lot of things because that woman, she couldn't squeeze blood from a stone. But as God is my witness, she could squeeze money from one. Ah. And she found, she oh, she's amazing, budgetarily speaking, especially for Poe folk from Southern Mo. But uh, one of the things that she helped me learn was that, you know, every little bit counts. Every little bit, I, baby. I took all that spare change because I save all my spare change, all the pennies. I, if I find a penny, I do pick it up and I put it in that little jar. And next thing you know, you dump it out at the bank and they put $37, $40 into your bank account. Yeah. So, you know, boom, 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 bit little by bit. bit I'm going to get there. A little bit here. It's going to happen. I see a breezeway window or a big old imperial. <laughs> or- uh, you, it's I, I am hoping, okay, fine, you're exposing. I've tried so hard not to, you know, I, I do what my dad did. My dad would always go walking on car lots. Mm-hmm. He was just looking. Yeah. Just, what you're doing is you're teasing yourself until you're in that frenzy and you're like, oh, God, I got to have it. So Yeah, I, but in the meantime, you can be learning stuff as you go. Oh, yeah, you're learning how much you want a new car. And uh, I... I've I've got several. There's some new ports. There's a few up in Iowa, <laughs> and a couple in Illinois. And there's this Galaxy that's just so sweet. I just love that you're uh, you're so consistent, boy. You just you never change. I nah, love that. Nah, I want a big one, and I want it soon. But anyway, that's well, how mine was. And yours was good. Oh, it was it was pretty good. Got to drive some different stuff. Had some things happen that we're going to talk about. Oh yeah. But I'd rather discuss some news, so let's get to that. That sounds like a winner. Hit us. Outside of our own personal world. <laughs> well, what? Well, this, there, there is one this, outside of it? Well, this kind of touches my personal world. My another boss, Keith Martin, uh, editor and publisher of Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, the two magazines that I work for. About a month ago, Keith had a very mild stroke when mm. he was at home. Yeah. And the paramedics got him to the hospital within 30 minutes. They managed to get him treated. And nice. Keith is a really healthy guy anyway. He yeah. exercises. He takes care of himself. He does all the good things that you and I don't do. <laughs> you know, he actually cares what he eats and, you know. Uh, yeah. Pay some attention to yeah, that. pay some attention. <laughs> I don't know that I'm guilty of that or not. But well, it's, it's only a second cheeseburger. It yeah. can't possibly hurt me. <laughs> anyway, uh, Keith has was in the hospital Albeit very briefly, they moved him to a, a rehab- rehabilitation facility. That's easy for me to say. Uh-huh. And he's getting better. He's making oh, improvements. Awesome. They've got him in. Uh, they've got him in rehab training uh, four to six hours a day, and he's he's already able to walk with a cane and a little bit of assistance. He's typing with both hands. He's able to play the piano a little bit again. Something that I couldn't do, even if I am healthy. Nice. He's making progress. So. All my love and good wishes Yay! to Keith Martin. I'm glad to hear you're doing better, pal. Look forward to having you back. Now, 
shifting gears, if you'll pardon the pun. <laughs> At the North American International Auto Show in Detroit in January, Ford unveiled their 2020 Mustang Shelby GT500. Oh, yeah. And they're coming with the giant killer baby. Uh, they have re-engineered the engine. They've gone to the flat plane crank that is being used in the uh, Shelby GT350, but stuck a massive 2.6 liter supercharger on top of it to crank out God. to crank out <laughs> earth moving power. They haven't given specifics yet, and they haven't given a lot of the engineering details out. But they're talking about a car that produces significantly north of seven. Hundred oh, ponies, my God, lots more than seven hundred horsepower. So, you know, yeah. you talk about the Chargers and the Challengers, the Hellcats and the Red Eyes uh, that are in the low eight neighborhood. It looks like Ford's coming for you, baby. They cranked out, got away from that uh, that EcoBoost engine <laughs> and threw threw down hard with the flat plane. It's a five point two liter V eight, and again a two point six liter massive supercharger now uh they're talking about the car running a zero to 60 in the mid three second range (laughs) can you remember when six seconds was quick yeah (laughs) it wasn't that long ago was it and a quarter mile under 11 seconds holy moses i've had some sport bikes that ran in the mid to high 10 second range now of course i could never get them to do that but that's what they tested at and they are scary fast i can't fathom it in a car but Ford's got one coming. Uh, the other thing about the uh, the Shelby is no manual transmission, at least not yet. No manual transmission. They're getting under a four? They're getting under a four. It's an automatic transmission. It's a Tremec-developed uh, six-speed, no, pardon me, seven-speed automatic <laughs> Uh, dual clutch transmission, you know, the flat double clutching. You mean like 10 4 go buddy double clutching? I don't think that's Maybe what not. they're talking about. No, no, sir. Not no, sir. Right. It's not uh, a convoy. <laughs> uh, seven speed automatic developed by Tremec. Uh, no three pedals. They said now the Shelby GT350 is now available with an automatic. So what Ford is saying is if you want a manual transmission Shelby Mustang, you need to look at the GT350. If you want an automatic, the GT500 is your car. Oh, gotcha. But again, north of 700 horsepower, just... I'm looking massive. at this thing right now online. Oh, did you did you find the video with the four different exhaust notes? Yes, I did. I, 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 I okay. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a little bit on the poo poo platter side of okay. that thing. The those exhaust notes that they have tuned ports so that it has the sound of what a Mustang should sound like. I'm like I couldn't. That's so fake. To me, that's why don't you just play an MP3 of what it should sound like and make them dead silent? Because that's just as important. You're pretending. Be sure you listen to uh-huh. the GT350 and the GT500. It's a flat playing crank. It's a different sound. And it's very much uh, what Ferrari has done for okay. years. You get into the other, uh, the Italian V8s and stuff like that, and you get that different sound. It's a higher pitch. It's more of a wail and Oh God! It's now there's just, some it's there's music. some ways of changing that sound that I understand. Like your your uh, brother-in-law's car, where he can change where well, the exhaust actually comes out in the pipe, and that that helps with you know when you're really getting well, into and it and stuff and it, and it, relieves pressure. Blah it's blah blah. Similar to that, uh, Mark's my brother-in-law, another Mark, uh, has electric dumps on his car, like a lot of old hot yeah. rodders have, and this is akin to that. What Mustang has done, or what Ford's done with the Mustang, is you've got a quiet mode, you have a normal mode, you have a uh, track mode, 
and now they've got a fourth screaming performance. Super. Oh, well, no, no, no. You've got a, a normal, <laughs> a, a quiet, a normal, a sport, and a track mode. And the track mode is everything's out the window. Oh. We're going to go like hell. That's a, uh, an electronic give me attention mode. Your, now, your, your and neighbors are going to vote to have you kicked out of the HOA. I say that. Now, if I owned one. Yeah, I might be a little different about it. And by the way, I love what they've done with the front end. That kind of big, wide, kind of open scoop well, thing. But, but then you can see some of the Mustang. If you're um, going to feed that supercharger, you got to have a way to get the air to it. <laughs> Honey, got to have a mouth. So, <laughs> so yeah, look for that that big bad Stang coming down the it's road uh, here in late 2019 as a 2020 model. Who's coming up next? Uh, well, and I, I I'm going to just brag myself up. Oh no. I, I managed to get a news story that that dovetails with our guest. We've got Vernon Estes coming from Vernon Estes Classics. He is a Shelby, nice. a classic Shelby expert and just all-around knowledgeable guy. Keeping the theme. So he's coming up next on Driven Radio. Driven Radio coming up, and we get to talk to. I I, I did this on purpose, Mark. I noticed. I, I absolutely put the story in about that Shelby GT five hundred. Uh huh. Because I knew we were going to have Mister Shelby in the studio. That is kind of awesome. And well, yeah. Now two weeks in a row, I'm sitting here breaking my arm, patting myself <laughs> yeah, on the back. I noticed the, that. The fi- <laughs> final news story is the lead in. <laughs> You're doing yoga, obviously. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> but well done. Uh. I met Vern Estes through our friend Tom Strongman. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Vern is a, uh, a Shelby expert and a Shelby dealer here in town and uh, also knows a lot more about Shelby's than either of us. So Now, one of the cool things also about it that you'd mentioned is kind of the, the part of the era that he really focuses on, which I think is kind of awesome. Because I don't know, Vern, you're looking kind of young there, son. You, you, you still got the morning dew where I've burned off to like a horizon of sand and everything. Everything that Vern is an expert on was born before Vern was. <laughs> well, what was it, 62 to 67, right around in there is, is yep. uh, where, you're, where you're really kind of mm, niches? Yes, yep. That is on. freaking awesome. And he's got a, a cool little dealership here in town called Vernon Estes Classics. Tell us all about your dealership. Yeah, well, first off, thanks for having me. Um, Absolutely. Thrilled you're here. Yeah, like you guys are saying, I'm kind of a kind of a niche dealer. Uh, I mainly focus in uh, 62 through 67 Shelby American products, mostly GT350s from 65 to 7. Those are at least the cars that I spend a lot of time chasing. I have a lot of other stuff that either finds me or I happen to find. Right. Uh, just kind of in the process of looking for those cars. Anything high-performance forward, though, is kind of what I'm into, but I love pretty much all cars. Um, the the dealership is uh, proudly the one of the lowest volume car dealers in the world. <laughs> I try to sell. I try to sell as few cars as I can possibly sell. Oh, uh, you get to call a it reason. a boutique. Don't yeah, you? boutique. Ah, nice. that's what they're calling it nowadays, nice. right? It's it's yeah. a boutique. I had a Corvette um, dealership like that before boutique was a thing. It's just I couldn't sell anything. <laughs> that was a no volume. <laughs> yeah, but that's I had no good joke. cars. <laughs> 
yeah, so basically those are the cars that I'm passionate about, and that's what I focus kind of all my time looking for. I mean, they're much harder to find now. I mean, they're pretty rare, so they're harder to find than they are to sell, so especially for good cars. Why oh, wow. Shelby's? How did you become interested in Shelby's? Uh, I used to be interested in pretty much all cars. I mean, I my taste in cars actually uh, went down over time, I think. I think I started on much more sophisticated stuff. I was kind of a weird kid growing up. Uh, I was the kid in the library at school that was reading about World War II airplanes and uh-huh. uh, military history and trains and anything mechanical in the corner of the library, you know, taking the same books out over and over again. My mom actually used to drop me off at public libraries when I was like 10 years old and just leave me there for hours so I could so I could read books. And uh, I, I think you were among friends here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you're, yeah. Golden. you're golden. Yeah, and so that that led to somehow that narrowed down to cars, and I started you know taking an interest in a lot of like full classic American cars from the 30s and Grand Prix cars from the 20s, a lot of like European stuff, and then somehow mm. it went to muscle cars from there, uh, and then it narrowed to Shelby's, and this all happened like in the span of a year. So I, I love all cars. It's just that Shel- I don't know what it is about Shelby Mustangs. Actually, I do know what it is. I think that Shelby Mustangs are probably. Uh, I don't know, probably the ultimate like mix of an American muscle car and a sports car. Um, nice. Those and Corvettes, of course. I mean, those are kind of the two, you know, hallmark cars. Um, and I'm hap- that's what I've always loved. I'm so. happy you threw the Corvettes in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> that was, yep. Yeah, that was very nice yep. of you. <laughs> Absolutely. And you said that you started out collecting memorabilia. Yeah, I well, when you're when you're 10 years old, you can't afford. You know, cars that go for obscene yeah. amounts of money. You so. build models. So that's yeah. a, that's yeah, a lot so, of model glue and painted fingers. Yeah, so you log on to eBay and what was, in hindsight, kind of the oh early God, days eBay, of eBay. Right. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you get in trouble on eBay and you start buying factory postcards and factory brochures and oh, posters, yeah? race team outfits, all sorts of crazy stuff that happens to center around the cars. And uh, I amassed a, like, I would work for $10 an hour restoring the cars in downtown Kansas City with a friend of mine named Bob Gaines. And uh, every dollar that I earned there would be used to buy literature and memorabilia having to do with Shelby's and Cobras and Mustangs. (laughs) And one day I had a, a collector of the cars that came to me and he, at that point I had... After five or six years, probably a thousand items that I'd kind of like traded into this oh big collection of items, just all sorts of binders full of literature. And he wanted to buy the whole the whole thing. And I never advertised oh. it. And uh, I sold how much it for you women, the girls? I want to buy the girls. <laughs> how much <laughs> the little girl? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, Blues Brothers reference for those of you who might not know. So I, I sold in the collection, and uh, oh, and nice. in that time, also right around the same time, I had started having other collectors that were coming to me. Uh, wanting certain certain pieces of memorabilia, and I was realizing that if I could buy it for X and sell it for two X, then I could kind of collect it and have fun with it, and also, you know, get a little. Uh, well, that was the days before beer money, but walk, <laughs> we'll, we'll call it walking around money. Capitalize so, uh, on a passion. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. So no, I accidentally became a dealer in it. So nice. <laughs> wow, I'm. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many thoughts that go along with this. It's, nobody ever came to me for all my Corvette junk cars. I, I never got really How hard nice. were you trying to sell it? I mean, this is a great card. Yeah, I'll sell it to you if I, yeah. if I have to. Yeah. Well, that, that and uh, there's a reason I'm no longer allowed to be on eBay after a couple of drinks. You're still allowed on Craigslist, though? Uh, no, no, uh, no, no, no. eBay, Craigslist, and now iTunes. Yeah. And, and don't forget Facebook Marketplace. I mean, oh, I am, I'm having to wean myself off of that because... I've got so many saved clunkers in there that if I just get enough, if I just get enough. You you keep getting the refresh notices. Hey, look, new Imperial. Oh, yeah. yeah, they tease me. It's just wrong. So how do you go from amassing a really extensive collection of 
memorabilia and collectibles and all that stuff to being a Shelby American Auto Club concour judge. Oh, it just it every like everything it tends to snowball. It starts with little things, and it, it I end up judging cars. The guy that I work downtown with uh, is a concourse judge, and uh, I started out scribing for him. So I would be the guy that'd walk around with a clipboard and write down whatever the judges were saying, and I did that as like a way to learn about the cars. That's why I'm able to buy the cars today and feel pretty confident in my in my purchases because Shelby Mustangs are. Uh, it's a scary world if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, I can imagine. Yeah, because you know you're talking about cars that are worth many multiples of what a normal standard Mustang is worth. Yet they share 95, 96 percent of their parts with those normal Mustangs. They're essentially the same car with some performance parts added on, maybe some chassis modifications, maybe right. a special hood, maybe some instrumentation in the uh, in the interior. I mean, that sounds like you're oversimplifying it, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's worthwhile for people to fake these cars now. And some people do a fairly, some people don't do a very good job of it. Some people do a fairly good job of it, and so you really have to know what you're doing uh, when you're buying them. And along with knowing what you're looking at, uh, you've found some some pretty remarkable Shelbys here and there. Tell us about the. Uh, uh, I the, like you the, know I'm the typical blind mouse. I find uh, a crumb every now and again. So I'm I'm talking specifically about a '65 GT350 drag car that was sitting outside in Hawaii. What? Yeah, that's an interesting. Uh, that's you an found interesting it in story. Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I want to hear this. Yeah, I want to know. I, I'm I'm wanting to know how you just go on vacation and you know start. Muck a muck a when I how first happen? when I first got into the uh, into the buying and selling of the cars, uh, I took an interest in what's called a drag unit Shelby. Uh, most people don't know it, or at least most people tend to overlook the cars because Shelby American is known as a road racing company um, for the most part and endurance racing. Um, but they did actually build in 65 and 66. They built four what they called drag units from each year. And four. these four each year, yes. Yeah. So basically eight total four and 65, four and 66. Uh, and what the cars were is basically they were the drivetrains. Well, actually, the whole car was sent off to uh, Les Ritchie at Performance Associates, who is kind of the West Coast arm of Ford Performance as far as drag cars go. Um, and uh, he took those cars, put Thunderbolt-style traction bars on them, which is a pretty serious thing, um, completely rebuilt the engines and transmissions with straight-cut gears. The, the, the heads on the engines were custom-milled. Uh, uh, they basically had our model engines in them. Uh, the rear ends in 65 were 514s, and in 66, they toned it down to 486s. Uh, so, and they still had, like, in 65 and 6, they still had, like, the aluminum gearboxes that were common in Thunderbolts as well. So they were pretty fast cars. They were basically full interior but uh, and glass in them. Yeah, and they were running, hundred and I think, 127 miles an hour, somewhere around that in the quarter, which in 65 and 6 wow. is extremely fast because those are not wow. drag. You know, 65s and 6s are not drag cars. So, or it's not meant with to be a full cars. interior and glass with a 289k code v8 i mean what? it's yeah pretty quick pretty quick <laughs> what's that translate like that. to in an et is that low 11s i think it's uh low 12s i okay. think on those cars but a, um, but a buck 30 yeah close to it which is really amazing when you think about it because again they're they're meant to gt350s are supposed to be road racing cars yeah uh and so i took an interest in those drag units number one because everybody else seemed to overlook them nobody seemed to re- research them very much and when you look at like the holy grail of 65 shelby's uh those are r models so full race road racing cars well they made 36 r models or 37 depending on who you ask i suppose uh 
they only made eight drag units from two years, so they're over four times rarer than the R models. So mm-hmm. they, wow. And of the two years, only three exist from each year. So actually, there's only six in the world. Two have been destroyed from each year. So destroyed um, or parted out, or both? Well, in 65, one is lost and really not accounted for. It was uh, supposedly lost in a street race to a, uh, a, I believe, Sacramento firefighter is the story that I've heard. Uh, and then in 66, what? one of those cars... Titled out. Yeah. <laughs> Pink slipped. Well, here's, oh my here's, God. A, here's a crazier one. Uh, and I've I've heard whisperings that who knows that car might exist, but those are Southern California people that say that. And I don't... Who knows if they're... <laughs> you know, who knows? They're the ones that are in the area, so maybe it's hiding somewhere. But then there was we one in 66 where there was... Like you see in like an old movie... Uh, Somehow there was like a trail of gasoline that got ignited and led all the way to the car and the car exploded and got put in a landfill and it's all completely documented. So of 66, wow. there's only three as well. Oh uh, my And so God. since there's only six, I started just kind of trying to research the cars and learn more about them. I contacted, you know, various owners of the cars and I found out that one of them was delivered new to Hawaii. Uh, and I thought, well, that's an odd place to have a 65 drag yeah. car. Not and a lot of drag strips in Hawaii. Yeah, just, They're all just vertical. Like two. Yeah. <laughs> it, it certainly is. And we're going to hear the back half of this story in just a second. We're here with Vernon Estes of Vernon Estes Classics. And wow, too, too much cool stuff. I'm, no doubt. I knew this was going to be a home run. We'll be right back with more Driven Radio. Back with more Driven Radio and our guest this evening, uh, Vernon Estes of Vernon Estes Classics. You can find that at vernonestesclassics.com. Or in Overland Park. In Overland Park. In in, OPP. In in sunny, balmy, 12-degree, sleep falling out of the sky, Overland Park. Yeah, look for the palm trees. I'm sure you'll find them. They're going to be bent over from the ice. Vernon, we were talking about you finding a one of three 1965 Shelby GT350 drag car in Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, so you've been speaking to other owners. How did you How did you eventually track this thing down? Well, I just started uh, researching the cars and figuring out where they all were. And as things pertain to 65, uh, one of them was a factory drag car and has been in Ohio for a very long time. And uh one of them is owned by a friend of mine in Washington State who also has one of the 66s. And then the third one, wow. uh, you know, both of those cars being sort of unobtainable cars, they're owned by pretty well-known collectors. Uh, the third one just seemed to have been delivered to Hawaii, which I thought was an unusual location to get one of these cars. These were extremely expensive new. I mean, they were not cheap. Uh, 65 Shelbys in general were uh, pretty expensive, but a drag unit was a very expensive car. So who was the buyer in Hawaii? Uh, well, that's an interesting part of the story. There apparently was no buyer. There was a guy who I had figured out. Uh, there was a fairly wealthy kid who was given a Mercury dealership by his dad, supposedly. Uh, that's that's what I've that's what I understand of it. Even though it's hard to get any details. Out Hang of. on, just a second. Look, we've talked a lot of times about me being way spoiled because I managed to weasel a, an old Corvette out of my dad. And, but a whole Merc dealership? But I didn't get a dealership. And in the mid-60s, right? Yeah, that's what I've heard. Is so that... you got the big bad daddy Mercs. Oh, wow. yeah, baby. Okay, I can see you salivating already. Uh, I'm feeling a little tingly. <laughs> Good stuff. So we've got this Merc dealership guy yeah, person and a, thing. And, and a reason why 
I've sort of assumed that this is the person who was supposed to have brought this car over is because this same gentleman ordered multiple AFX Mercury Comets in 65 <laughs> as well. So he was wow. big into drag racing. Uh-huh. Uh, and they all raced at a place called Hawaiian Raceway Park. But apparently this car was sent to the only Shelby American dealer in Hawaii and nobody bought it. So it was ordered and nobody bought it, which is really kind of a, uh, a snafu, you know, considering that Hawaii doesn't really have the biggest market for these cars, probably. And they, no, just, I wouldn't they think. just mailed them a drag unit uh, that's extremely <laughs> expensive. You know, it's like what is, as a dealer, what are you going to do with that once it's on the showroom floor? It's like one of the modern Cobra jets, except harder to sell. Um, <laughs> so it languishes on a floor. On so a it languished on the floor for. For a long time eventually it's not very well documented but eventually they think that a salesman bought it supposedly okay. um, but then cost, yeah. fast forward yeah fast forward seven eight years and the listed owner for the car was a guy who bought it in 1974 and uh, when I looked in the registry, he buys it in 1974, and then it had a sentence after it that said, present whereabouts not known. So I figured, well, he doesn't own it anymore, but he might know where that car is. Right. So I looked him up and wrote him a letter. I just wrote him a, a typed up letter and signed it and sent it to, uh, to an address that supposedly he lived at and hoped, and I heard back from him. Oh, wow. And okay. uh, he said, yeah, and he said, I've got the car, and I've had it since 74, and uh, I don't want to sell it, I but I'd be chills. happy to talk to you about it. So I called him, and uh, we struck up a friendship. This is actually when I first started buying and selling the cars, and so I, I would call him every couple months, and we would just uh, – talk on the phone about the car, about drag units, about Shelby's in general. He, to him, he just bought it as a 65 Shelby. He actually didn't think that, uh, he knew it was a drag car, a factory drag car, but he didn't necessarily, he thought it was special just because it was a 65 Shelby, one of 562 made that year. He didn't appreciate what, he didn't really understand the depth of what he had. He the, knew that was special. The of what he had. He, he knew that was special, but I think that uh, it was sort of just an interesting footnote compared to like what the car was, whereas like, in my opinion, that's sort of like what the whole car yeah. is. Like, as if a 65 Shelby is not special enough so uh, while you're talking to him are you trying to not tell him how special the car is <laughs> oh no i told i, I you know I, I think he knew why you know i was so interested in it but uh uh yeah I, I you know i thought it was a special car and i was just more intrigued by here's this guy that bought a drag car in 1974 and he drove it on the street and so this car had forty six thousand miles on <laughs> oh it, which, that's which, awesome. which you think is like you know if somebody walked up to any classic car and saw the odometer at 46k they would say man this is a low mileage car well when yeah. you consider that it still had the 514s in it uh, that's like the highest mileage drag car in the world. And here's the crazier part is that uh, I asked him what kind of condition it was. And he said, well, we restored it in the early 90s. He restored it himself. Oh, so I thought that's interesting. Uh, and, you know, fa- fast forward about three years. Uh, I, I called him one day. And the first thing I hear on the phone is, I think I'm ready to sell the car. Oh, my gosh. And I said, oh. really? I never thought it. He told me he would never sell it. That oh my it was, goodness! You know, so never even a consideration. So I jumped on a plane like a day later and, uh, with, with a deposit. After you, you figured know? out if you could, you know, mortgage some relatives. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Sold one of my kidneys and, uh, yeah, and everything and else that I had. Nine pints of blood. Uh, yeah. I, dr- I drink nothing but water, baby. Nothing but water. Wow. So and you went and got it. Went and got it. Yes. Yeah, so, well, nice. that, that's. Sort of went and got it. Basically, what happened was uh, this is right around the time that I was. Russians uh, moved in. This is actually right around the time that I was going to propose to my then girlfriend. Oh. So I figured, you know, everybody's doing all these stupid things on Facebook with proposals. I'm like, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone here. So I'm going to Hawaii anyway. (laughs) All I have to do is buy one more plane ticket, and we can have a Hawaiian proposal. So we go there for two days. The first day, I go to see the car, and I think I'm going to buy the car. We walk. I I come up to his house, and his house was up. 
this is all a true story. I'm just going to preface this with that is that this whole thing isn't kind of crazy enough. I drive up to his house. It's at the top of a, I don't know if you'd call it a mountain or a hill, but it's a, it's a really big hill. If you call it a hill on one side of this hill is Pearl Harbor. On the other side, you're looking over Waikiki. So you're like way up high on Honolulu. My man's got not only a one of three Shelby, but he lives in a house that overlooks Pearl Harbor. Yeah. But it's in, it's interesting. It, it was uh, it was just a normal neighborhood. Uh-huh. I drive up to the address, and I look at the front of the house, and there's a car under a cover underneath a little shelter. I mean, like a handmade shelter. And you can't really uh, tell it's a Mustang, but no. since you know what you're looking at, you can uh-huh. kind of see that it's a fastback Mustang. But anybody else driving by it would have just thought it was something weird underneath the cover. And there, underneath three blue tarps, and two car covers underneath with plywood sheets leaned up against the car to keep chickens and rodents and whatever else they have in white. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, with those leaned up against the car is this drag car. And it just looks like a normal 65 Shelby steel wheels, the back sitting up a little bit higher, like a drag car, but you would have never known. Uh, and when yeah. he uncovered this car, uh, he actually got really emotional. He had it since 74. He realized oh, he was about to sell it. So and he hard, looked at yeah. me and he said, I just, I'm not, I can't sell you the car. Oh, oh no. no. Oh, and no. I just said, okay, you know, you can't like, of course it's disappointing. Oh, but, dude, like, you should have said, Hey, this, you see this beautiful woman. She's not going to marry me unless we roll away in that car. <laughs> oh, I came home that day me? to the hotel. Just completely. Oh, depressed, I bet you, you know? were. Oh, it was a fine, God, yeah. it, the proposal was fine and everything, but, I, but in that situation, it's like, you can't get upset at him because then you'll never get the car. You know, you'll never get the car at that point. If you get upset, hi honey, you know? here's a ring. You want to get married? <sighs> and I felt bad for him. It was a, it was a special <laughs> thing in his life. So I, yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. he, he had had the car a long time. He had great memories of him and his wife in the car. Aww. Uh, Aww. you know, like I said, 46,000 miles with five fourteens. I don't, I can't quite wrap my head around that. That's amazing. I'm envisioning know. a worn out Amico card. <laughs> does he still does he still own it to this day no i mean what happened was i went i ended up going back to canceled all the shipping arrangements with the car went back to uh the upper 48 and then about a year later we go on the honeymoon and did you go back she to wanted well she wanted to go to maui so uh-huh. we go to maui but i just said why don't we stop in honolulu we'll see pearl harbor course she knows exactly why i'm suggesting that you know so we go back to the owner's house has she come to expect that everything you ever do nice for her has an ulterior pretty much, motive yeah okay. pretty much yeah There's i'm just really extra. thrifty so I, if i'm gonna <laughs> if i'm gonna spend the money i want to make sure it counts for multiple it's things. gonna be a win-win trust yeah. me yeah so so we go back and we visit the owner and uh, as we didn't talk about the car at all I, we were just sitting at his, oh, uh, at yeah. his he's a, a friend of mine so we were just sitting at his kitchen table and uh and uh i'm walking out the door we had gone to Pearl Harbor, went to his house, walking out the door so we could catch a plane to Maui. And I turned back and I said, if you ever want to sell that used car in the driveway, you know who your first call is. <laughs> and he says, I'm ready. I'm going to sell it to you. And at the time, oh at the time, God. I was like, hmm, I'll call you in like three weeks. Yeah. 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 You know, like because number one, I couldn't take the car right then anyway. He had to set up shipping. And number two, it's like, I really don't want to do this again. You know, if he's not actually ready, so I'll call you in a couple of weeks and we'll just touch base again. I called right. him in a couple of weeks. He said, I promise this time I'm ready to sell the car. So I went back to Hawaii oh. a third time. <laughs> oh my God. Third time's a charm, man. And finally got the car. And it's, uh, it was, you know, sometimes I, I enjoy trying to find the cars. I enjoy chasing the cars. To me, finding them and buying them is every bit as much fun, if not more fun than actually uh, owning the cars. I mean, uh, you know, I think a lot of people feel that way when the process of if they decide they want a certain classic car, they oh, enjoy looking. Oh, for the it. discovery of it. You know, oh, yeah. The learning yeah, the about new it thing. Yeah. And becoming knowledgeable and yep. then really hungry. So big question. 
tell us about your dealership. Yeah, we got about a minute left. Uh, fill yeah. us in now that we finally got to that part because it was a great story. That's one story. I want to hear all these other stories, so yeah. we're going to have to have you back. Cool. That'd be wonderful. I'd uh, love to come back. Tell us about your dealership real quick. Yeah. Uh, so basically, I just bought my first commercial building here in uh, Overland Park, and so from now on, I'm going to be halfway legitimate. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, It's a smaller building, and like I said, I, I buy and sell as few cars as possible. I like to really focus on like high-quality Shelbys, mostly GT350s, some GT500s, some later-year cars. I mean, I just bought a 69 350 four speed air car, which is un, which is uncharacteristic for me because I like. I love that you said stuff. later year car. Yeah. You know, yeah it, so you're not later. talking about uh, stuff that are, are new classics that have been you know built recently. You're talking about the real deal from the time. Every once in a while, I'll buy like a continuation Cobra or something. Yeah. But uh, but mostly mostly I'm buying stuff that is 65 to 7 GT350. And so uh, I do a little bit of consignment. It, mostly it's it's buying and selling and working on the cars and just having fun and. Nice. Vernon, nice. thank you so much for your time. Thanks we, for having me. We want to have you back. We want to hear more, more stories. And wow. You hear about the 66 uh, drag car oh, next time. absolutely. Oh, just amazing. <laughs> Indiana Shelby Jones. <laughs> Over the Park Jones. <laughs> We've been talking with Vernon Estes of Vernon Estes Classics. You can find them at www.vernonestesclassics.com or find them at Vernon Estes Classics on Facebook. Vern, thanks for your time. Hey, thank you very much. Really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thank you very thanks. much. Coming up on Driven Radio, uh, we've got to, we're going to crawl out. Stuff's of the, finally happening. We're going to crawl out of the icebox. Ah. We got car events coming up, and I'll tell you a little bit about all the great crap I've had going on this week, car wise. <laughs> coming up on Driven Radio. Back with more driven radio. God, is that Vernon? Does he know? That was amazing. And he's, you know, I I, I don't mean to I'm trying not to be ageist here. Dude's young. He's in his late twenties. And and he's smart and, 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 and to have that depth of knowledge at that yeah. age. Yeah. We uh, when during the break, we we just we were chatting and it's just like, my God, this cat knows. I don't even know that I got that depth of knowledge now. <laughs> I, I'm very interested. Cool dude, cool dude. Uh, great interview and uh Man, I'm dying to have him back. I want to hear more of that stuff. Well, I want to go to the uh, the Vernon Estes Classics. Uh, I want to go to his place because some of the pictures, I'd like to see what he's got that he hasn't fixed up yet. Uh, he's got all those shots, if you go to the he's, website, of beautiful cars. But there was the one that you pointed me to, and then I'm like, oh, my God, there's that and this and this. There was the 58, uh, 58 Impala. Oh, God, that thing is lovely. And then a Nash, a 52 Nash station wagon. Well, just it, crispy mint. Well, it shows the depth of knowledge he's got. He knows it's not just Shelby's. He's got a first-gen Bronco on there. Well, I have to call Seth, Seth Burgett and tell him. Uh, and you know me, I, I like that little kind of twisted weirdness. He's got, you know, Shelby, these beautiful muscle cars where you're like, oh my God, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. But then the ones that he's got outside of are kind of quirky. And then a couple of uh, well, Broncos. Well, and the Nash was cool. What a what a neat little wagon, and you don't ever see that stuff. No, you do not. It's gorgeous. So. Just once in a great while. All righty. Well, I thought I was gonna because last week was warm and the weather was nice, and I thought I, was, <laughs> I thought I was gonna get everything out that's been waiting for the weather to turn nice. You know, Midwest the, is such a tease. Get the flat spots out of the tires and get the engines warmed up. Uh-huh. You know, if you let old cars sit long enough and you don't drive them, the seals dry out and then they start to drip. One of the worst things you can do for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's like anything if too, else. If you they, let them sit too long, they atrophy just like muscles will. <laughs> yeah, that's like me in the couch. So <laughs> damn you, Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got the same thing. Uh, 
Uh, Some flat spots. Oh, no kidding. (laughs) And others that you wish were flatter. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Got the Bronco out last week, and I was driving it, and I I was hustling to get here. And got caught up in the traffic slowing uh-huh. down for they were doing some impromptu road repairs, which I-35 desperately needs, yeah. fixing all the little pothole oh, patches. Yeah. And traffic was slowing down a, a bit, and I, it was pretty tight, and the guy that was behind me was following me pretty close. I got on the brakes hard, and I got tapped from behind oh. twice. In the old Not good bar- in traffic or prison. No. It's it, all wrong. No, all wrong. All wrong. Anyway, uh, thank God for the old Bronco. We pull off the side of the road, and this guy's driving a crap box Chevy truck. And the spare tire and that giant oversized, uh, the spare tire oh, carrier on yeah. the tailgate, and that big oversized 33 that I had sitting on there saved the truck. Woo-hoo! The other guy, uh, it kind of folded up one of his headlights a little bit, but... He got out. I'm not kidding, man. He he looked like he probably hadn't bathed in a while, and got out. and He looks at my truck and goes, "Well, you ain't got nothing." And I said, uh, "Are you okay?" He says, "That's just a headlight." Jumped back in his truck and took off. And I'm standing there thinking, "You don't have any insurance, do you?" Yeah, no insurance, <laughs> there's, and there's there's no seal on that bottle next to him. Yeah, yeah that that one's been cracked. Yeah. I got to get. Yeah. Anyway, Looking good. See you later. So, you know, I I thought, okay, well, let's go tuck the Bronco away and drag out the old Impala. It's warm. It's going to be nice this weekend. So Vlad the Impaler saw the light of day, took Yay! her out. And Friday night showing off for a buddy of mine, did a speed shift from second to third and jam the linkage again. <laughs> <laughs> again. Again. Aww. I've done this before, but... Since that car wasn't originally a four-speed car, and it is now, there's not a heck of a lot of room in the transmission tunnel. Things are kind of tight, and you can jam them up if you're being Being a little aggressive. Yeah, vigorous. Vigorous. vigorous, Yes, vigorous. It's it's not as robust. I was vigorating. As one one might like. (laughs) It happens. I I was vigorating. (laughs) That's a new verb. Anyway, uh, so uh, classic car weekend didn't quite go the way I thought it would, but nothing terminal, nothing fatal. Everything can be fixed. And- I got to get it fixed because we're coming out of all the snow and icebox weather that we're back into now. And dude, you found some cool events coming up. Believe it or not, there are car guys who are itching to get out of the house as bad as as we are. And so we've got car events coming up in March, starting March 3rd in Kansas City, Missouri. Crossroad Cars going to do a monthly car show. Monthly. Monthly. Looks like they're shooting for the first Sunday of every month. There's one coming up on March 3rd. Uh, with a uh, $10 donation to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital after, uh, oh, looks like they're going to establish a $500 student scholarship. That's yeah. terrific. So do 10 bucks per car and then like 10 10% bucks. of the proceeds go to these things. This is cool. And it's going to be at 300 West 19th Terrace in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, for more information, you need to go check the Crossroads Cars page on Facebook. Yeah. Um. Hey, March 9th, Kansas in North Kansas City, there's a spring car meet uh, at Mackin Park, Howell Street, and Clark Ferguson Drive. Now, they're saying that this is a tentative address. Mm. Uh, I wonder if that means we kind of haven't gotten permission quite yet. Or maybe somebody's holding out for something else. But we're looking, or, but it's still, it's a great idea. Well, it's a spring car meet. Fortunately, all the things that are going to show up have wheels there do move. So if the address changes, we'll keep you posted. You can find more information about that at their Facebook.com uh, events page. Uh, no, wait, you, you've got something noted here. 
stage DJ and laser light show. Laser light show. They said it's four to eight if it's if it's after eight. <laughs> this is awesome. We're gonna have a car rave. Yeah. I have a 1955 Buick right next to this uh you know 1992 Honda. Hey, Groovy. Don't, don't knock it. I saw a 58 Ford at that KCI car show last uh-huh. year that had lasers and light show going no. on inside, inside the car dude inside the car when i was 18 that would have been wicked cool yeah it's your own pink floyd show baby <laughs> sit back to relax and yeah i know the, goes a seed and hello i know the mushrooms taste funny eat them anyway it's the universe march 20 <laughs> march 22nd through the 24th in st joseph missouri the second saint annual Joe. midwest motorama at the st joseph civic center 100 north 4th street uh car and bike rat rod show lots of classes and awards and giveaways uh says contact the show chairman at 816-390-0243 the producer at 816-390-6364 or email midwest motorama m-o-t-o-r-r-a-m-a at aol.com you know they got some pretty cool car clubs up there uh there's a dude up there and i'm, I'm i won't single him out on this one but he uh even and I just met him, you know, at a random event, and he has worked hard to help find me find some classic, you know, sleazy rust bucket that I can afford, and was just the coolest guy. Ble- okay, why not? Knuckle Draggers uh, was the name of the club, the Knuckle Draggers uh, Car Club. Hey, I and like just, it. Just the coolest guy and a great group of people, and most of their get-togethers that they do uh, around St. Joe, uh, all, all benefits charity. You know, it... My uh, my employer at my another job over at the magazines, Keith Martin, has, has said that old cars are a magnet for great people. Seem to be. And that's one of the things about being involved in this hobby and the culture is you meet fantastic people. They're always willing to help. And you can't believe how many of them will go out of their way to do something for you just because. Yeah. Um, last but not least, March 30th in Olathe, Kansas, the second annual Olathe Advanced Technical Center Car and Bike Show at OATC 611 North Nelson Road, uh, 12 to uh, twelve noon to 3 o'clock p.m. OATC has programs in automotive, welding, construction, and culinary arts. And uh, proceeds go to Funding Skills USA Participation. For more information, call 913-780-7026. And everybody show up for that. My son graduated uh, uh, with oh, cool. OATC. Very cool. Uh, he was in the construction part, and I went to one of their car shows because he was helping to walk people around and do stuff and help tour the facilities. And just a, It's a great program, a great part of Olathe. Well, I'd and, love to uh, see. And the kids are cool, and the cars are wicked. Love to see kids learning skills. Well, that's it for that's us it. this week. Boom. Man, flew by. Absolutely. Absolutely flew by. Uh, be sure to give us a listen at Driven Radio on Facebook and at readthedriven.com. Uh, we're working on a new website for the radio show. Yeah. But until then, we'll stay with Read the Driven. Uh, I'm Brett Hatfield, co-host Mark Groves. Woo-hoo! Thanks for being with us. Woo-hoo!